Hello and welcome to Your Active's AgriFood podcast. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. I'm Julia Dam. And I'm Natasha Foote. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Your Active's AgriFood team. This week, pesticides, soaring food prices and German protests. So hello, welcome back. Um, it's been a big week and especially it's been a big week in terms of pesticides. There was a lot about that this week that we covered. So um, Tash, maybe you can tell us a bit about what happened. I definitely can, especially uh, it was all talking about banned pesticides this week because there were two interesting developments uh, this week that we reported on. And one of them was this new report from the campaign group Pesticide Action Network Europe. So this report was looking at the the fact that banned pesticides that are deemed toxic to humans and to the environment are still consistently in use in the EU thanks to the routine use of emergency derogation. So that sounds a little bit technical. Uh, let me break it down. So basically these Derogations, there, you know, if there's an urgent circumstance that cannot be controlled by any other reasonable means, that's kind of like the definition of the derogation system. Um, member states can apply to be able to use pesticides that are actually banned in the EU. So uh, they looked at all these derogations that have happened over the past few years, and they found that um, there were 14 substances between 2019 and 2022 that were permitted, and over half of them were neonicotinoid pesticides. In fact, there was even one pesticide that was granted derogations, even though it was never approved for use in the EU. Um, and so basically what they're saying is that um, countries are using this derogation system as a kind of loophole, basically, to give a free pass to, to toxic banned pesticides, because these derogations are not supposed to be used routinely, right? It's supposed to be this urgent situation, a one-off occasion. But some countries were, you know, almost to the point that they were copying and pasting this kind of application for a derogation time and time again um, for consistent use of these pesticides. Actually, something you might find interesting, Julia, is um, can you guess which country was found to be the kind of the champion of derogations? Well, I kind of given the game away by saying that Julia might be interested. <laughs> <laughs> what could it be? No, 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 but it's actually not Germany. Therefore, it's... Uh, Austria, Austria. Why, why Julia should be... Well, she also covers Austrian stuff. Have you not, read, have you not been reading what she covers? I, uh... I have to read. Exactly. <laughs> There's no you way around. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to go through that. <laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, it's interesting because um, Austria is kind of known for, known to be the leader in the EU when it comes to organic farming. You kind of picture exactly. small organic family farms, no pesticides. Hmm. Yeah, I thought exactly the same thing. I thought it was quite interesting because, I mean, it's really held up as a poster child of organic agriculture. You know? I, I wonder why, uh, how our good friend uh, Thomas Weitz, the MEP, Green mm, MEP from question. Austria, would react to this. Maybe we should have him on to, to ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's a very interesting report. and Thomas um, Weitz is an MEP, but he's also an um, organic farmer and beekeeper. Indeed. Yeah. Just uh, for reference. He is indeed. Um, and yeah, so it's an interesting report. I invite you to check out the the article about this. Um, but there was also some other interesting pesticide news that actually leads leads on quite nicely because it's also about derogations. And, and it's also about the, the same campaign group. It is. It was indeed. a big week for them. It was a huge uh, week for them, yeah. Um, so there was this ruling from the um, European Court of Justice, so the EU's highest court, this week. The EU countries can no longer be allowed temporary exemptions for uh, banned neonicotinoid pesticides. So that's a specific kind of pesticide, a controversial pesticide, because it's associated with bee decline. I'm now, impressed that you managed years, to, to say it without stumbling over the word. You just went right through neonicotinoids. <laughs> I've said neonicotinoids quite a lot of times this week, so I think I'm just, you know, 
just just in the flow really what can i say what's the the short name neonix neonix i'm not really sure if that's neonix actually a thing a... or if i just actually just started saying it I'm so, not sure. no 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 it's actually a thing sounds like you know the the kid cartoon you know neonix <laughs> I'm not sure I want kids playing with them. But anyway, um, so the this specific ruling was about um, Belgium, actually. So Belgium had this derogation for the use of these neonicotinoid pesticides. Um, they're insecticides, these, uh, these neonicotinoids. I've said the word so many times now, it doesn't sound like a real word, you know, when you repeat it too many times. Anyway, um, they had a derogation to use this on uh, sugar beets, but on the seed not on, you know, out in the field. So basically a kind of a preemptive coating or covering of these seeds. Um, and yes, this this um, court case was brought before the EU's highest court by, again, the Pesticide Action Network Europe. Um, and they actually ruled in favour of, of this NGO. And they said, you know, that these exemptions can't continue. Um, and so that puts around about half of all these derogations that I've been talking about um, to an end in the future. So, and it's an EU-wide ruling. So this could have potentially huge ramifications um, across the EU agri-food sector. Yeah, I'm thinking of France, for instance. The, the quite, it's, it's a bit like the Belgian uh, government. They ask for um, mm. derogation basically yearly. Uh, I think since 2018 yeah. um, on, on these uh, neonicotinoids. So... Uh, particularly for the beetroot beets, mm. um, and uh, which is the, the same crop actually from uh, of the Belgian uh, yeah. case. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, this is this could actually create um, uh, an effect. Like I mean, I, I expect that there's gonna be lots of uh, farmers. Uh, yeah, definitely. The thing, the, the thing is, the thing that the the pesticide industry says, you know, they acknowledge that, of course, these derogations shouldn't be used routinely in this way. Um, but, you know, the point they were making was that it, it shows that there's an inadequacy in the current legislation that they're constantly having to ask for this because there's clearly a need that's not being met here. And I think it could be really interesting to see how this plays out, especially this year. We've had such a warm winter. You know, pest pressure is going to be, although it feels very cold today, <laughs> but pest pressure, you know, could be on the up basically because of the warm winter and so you know these kind of rulings these kind of restrictions i think could could have quite the consequences in the coming years so let's hear from the plaintiffs themselves the pesticide action network's executive director martin dermine to hear a little bit more about how the hearing came about and what this means in practice so in 2018 uh, the European Commission and member states banned uh, the neonicotinoid insecticides because they were too toxic to bees, bumblebees and the environment in general. But directly member states started uh, giving derogations to their farmers. Uh, and in particular in Belgium, a derogation was directly issued for the use of neonicotinoids on sugar beets. So Pan-Europe, uh, one of its members, Nature et Progrès Belgium, and a Belgian beekeeper uh, filed a complaint before the Belgian administrative court. So what will this decision change? Um, the ruling is uh, very important for us because it will change many, many things. First, the court made it very clear that if a, a pesticide is banned for a certain use, in this precise case, um, neonicotinoids have been banned for the use as sea treatment. Uh, it means that no derogation can be provided for something that is banned. The court made it very clear that you, if it has been decided to ban uh, a pesticide because it's 
too toxic for human health or the environment, it's not possible to keep using it in the form of derogations. Second, the court also reiterated the fact that the, um, the pesticide regulation is built on the precaution, precautionary principle that priority has to be given to people's health and the environment and also that uh, derogations need to remain exceptional. Finally, the court also reiterated the fact that pri priority needs to be given to non-chemical and less toxic alternatives. And in many cases here on derogations, we could observe that member states were giving derogations to please the agribusiness, but that there was no real assessment of the real necessity um, of the derogation and uh, if alternatives were um, cost effective as well. So the court made it clear that um, alternatives need to be used first. Last week, there was an interesting debate at the European Parliament during the plenary in Strasbourg about food inflation uh, with the Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski. And uh, we can talk about uh, that with um, Luc Vernet, who's Secretary General of Farm Europe. And we're going to hear his thoughts on the impact of inflation on the common agricultural policy budget and the agri-food sector in general. So uh, we did some calculation, integrating indeed uh, the, the parameters of the uh, CAP agreement uh, in the MFF, comparing the situation of the, uh, of the CAP uh, for the period 2021-2027, comparing it to uh, 20. 20. And if we continue like that, taking into account the inflation uh, as we saw in 2021-2022 and the forecast uh, from the European Commission and European Central Bank for the future year, what we see is that in terms of real economic leverage, so real value, uh, the CAP will lose uh, nearly 84 uh, billion uh, euro. Uh, so this is massive. Uh, to give you a, a, a scale, this represents more or less not far from the total uh, second pillar. So this means that the capacity of the CAP budget uh, to support farmers uh, in their uh, daily work and also to accompany the sector on the way to transition is really going down. So we have a lot of ambition, but uh, a budget that is uh, really uh, collapsing fast. Uh, so uh, clearly we ring the alarm bell at the moment because we really believe in Farm Europe that we uh, we need to achieve uh, the, the green transition. We need to invest more than ever in our food system. But to do that, we need um, public support. We need uh, leverage, investment uh, and, uh, and leverage. Uh, the time where we had uh, free money on the market is over. So the value of the public money is even more important than, uh, than before. So that's, uh, that's why we hope that now we see that this year there is a, a review of the MFF framework uh, on the agenda of the European Commission. Uh, and we really hope that the European Commission, but also the member states and the European Parliament, uh, we take uh, into account this new 
reality, this new context, uh, and review the CAP so that we keep uh, its capacity uh, to uh, to act and to support the sector. And we do not have uh, only state aid solution, uh, which are unfair uh, when it comes to certain sector or certain member state who do not have the same capacity. I just want to uh, know a bit more from you on what you just uh, mentioned, which is basically the MFF um, uh, review that uh, is supposed to be in, uh, I think, in the second quarter of uh, this year. Uh, if you expect uh, that the, the discussion will uh, turn into common agricultural policy, how much money to give to this important part, but also very massive part of, uh, of the EU budget, uh, because there are also some criticism about the it's already one third of the entire budget, uh, maybe it's already too much. So what's your take and how would you put this discussion in the co in the forthcoming review of the MFF? Yeah. Uh, first, on your, on your last comment, we should always remind that the CAP indeed is an important part of the CAP budget, but it's the only single policy, common policy at EU level. So uh, what uh, and, and what we see is clear when we do not have proper EU answers uh, at EU level with EU money, the member states are taking the lead and the money is still there, but it is at national level. Uh, so it's, it's not a question of uh, a global budgetary envelope. It's from where this envelope is coming. If the EU is not playing its part as a common response, in a sector where it has the responsibility to act, then the member states have to do it because what is clear is that there will be not a single member state will let its agricultural sector collapse. I really hope that there will be uh, a real discussion and a real action at EU level uh, in order to take this re economic reality into account and to have some European response for European challenges. Because what we see, for example, if we take last year, indeed for the whole economy, we had a huge amount of state aid, 650 uh, uh, billions, uh, which represent more or less the equivalent of the recovery plan that we triggered at EU level uh, during the COVID. But but this time it was entirely paid but, uh, via uh, state aid. So this means that it's, it's, it's not the question of the money, it's a question of where it comes from. And indeed, when it goes via state aid, not everybody, it's not a fair distribution. It's only those who can afford uh, who are having this, uh, uh, this support. And just picking up on what you said there about the state aid being useful for only those that can afford. I mean, we were having a discussion just before this interview. You raise a really interesting point that it's not just about discrepancies between member states, but also between sectors. And maybe you could elaborate a little bit on that and what we were, the discussion we were having just before. Yeah, indeed. When, when we see more or less, so when, we, when we go and we dive into the details of the state aids that we saw uh, last year in 2022, indeed, there are big differences from one member state to another. Uh, more or less, we had uh, we had uh, nearly five billion euros targeted specifically uh, to uh, agriculture. So indeed, we have France, Germany, which are the biggest uh, agricultural producer that uh, had the biggest amount of uh, uh, of state aid. But we should uh, compare that with their uh, overall production. 
uh, to, to be fair. We also have important state aid uh, uh, in Italy because some sectors in Italy were particularly heated uh, by the uh, by the crisis uh, uh, and the stop of the trade relation with uh, Russia, in particular the, the wine sector. So there were some specific support. But when we so uh, beyond that, what we see is other member states. If I take, for example, the Baltics, Romania, uh, help very specific support. And we saw that we had specific support, for example, for the pig sector. Uh, uh, so we need Uh, this is also why we need to make this very clear, because indeed, uh, in some uh, member states, it might be relevant to help one sector more than others, because clearly all sectors are not eating the same, and the sector which are the most energy uh, intensive ones are the, the most heated, but we need, we need to make sure also that there is a fair treatment at, uh, at, uh, at EU level across all all sectors and not only uh, between the between the member states. So the Agriculture Commissioner, uh, Janusz Wojcicki, he said multiple times that he's talked about the, the need to expand the budget for the future cap reform. But you're talking about the need to act now. But he, he was not hopeful at all about this review coming up uh, this year, the MFF review that he was talking about. I mean, he didn't have any, he said that he didn't see any possibilities to change that. He was only talking about the next cap reform as of 2027. I wonder if you maybe have a, a comment um, about about that, about that time frame. We are in 2023. In the next Next 10 years, in many member states, half of the farmers will retire. Uh, and so uh, we are now preparing the future of our agriculture and we should take decision in the next one, two, three years. That's very critical years where we need to overcome the crisis and prepare the future. 2027, that's one discussion and it's very be a very important discussion for uh, for the next commission which will have the responsibility to prepare the next CAP reform and to and to work on that but i think now between uh, now and the european election is the time to really discuss and put on the table some concrete solution uh, for decision to be made in 2024 2025 we cannot wait 2027 it's now that we need to act and inflation has an impact now And, and in terms of uh, actions, uh, do you agree with what commissioner, uh, the commissioner said that the EU executive has done all it can do to alleviate food and fertilizer prices? Or there could have been like something else that could have been uh, uh, used or uh, done by the, the commission? We should not end up in a situation where we just reduce our production and increase our import. And that's really what is at stake at the moment. Huh? Uh, so we need to uh, deliver uh, on the Green Deal and on the transition while at the same time keeping and strengthening uh, our uh, competitiveness and our capacity to produce at an affordable price. And that's a big challenge. And this cannot wait 2027. Uh, and, and this needs to be uh, tackled now. Uh, and for that, there are some uh, budgetary levels, and we discussed this before, and there are some technical levels, uh, meaning solutions uh, on the side of the, of the production. And for that, I think we also need to fasten the path. Uh, I see now that there is a sustainable uh, food system uh, proposal that, that will come will, with some element on GNGTs, 
for the arable crop sector. Indeed, that's something which farmers are really expecting. Because if we want to use less uh, chemicals, uh, selections, breed uh, uh, genetics is one, not the only one, but one of the levers which are, which are important. So we need to have the commission really active and sending very clear signal very quickly. Otherwise, actors will look elsewhere uh, and, uh, and, and will move and we will increase imports. So that, that, that's not the green deal we want. Perfect. Thank you very much. So we've talked about how it's about how it's a big week, but it's also a big week on the German side here in Berlin. For those who don't know, mm -hmm. I'm based in Berlin. And this week here, I've been out and about a lot because there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, hmm. For one, you have the International Green Week, which is a big agri and food fair in Berlin that's happening. Um, it has been happening last week and is still going on this week. Um, and there's also... So there's it's it's Green Week, so no, it's Green Week. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Technicalities. Joke, yeah. <laughs> This is the level that they reached. So imagine. someone has to laugh at them. Imagine, yeah. Mm. It's a classic uh, EU conversation, like the EU coming in with some technicality. Brussels coming in, getting hung up about <laughs> some technicality. Im imagine I, I actually spared our listeners because the idea was to talk about the the chocolate uh, making <laughs> stuff that we we did but uh, i think i think it was too much no I, like again i understand the personal branding but <laughs> sounds like we're rubbing it in yeah so uh, me and tash unfortunately not julia because was busy in berlin as she said we had this uh, experience together <laughs> yeah it was a uh, very corporate uh, stuff but uh, yeah we basically did some chocolate Chocolate making, yeah. It's yeah. a little bit off off topic from what you Yeah, know, sorry, saying. sorry, go ahead, go ahead, you. Yeah, just well, so. while, while okay. you were making chocolate, I was also uh, out and about. I wasn't sitting at home and being sad, even though I was a bit <laughs> sad. Um, <laughs> no, so for one, there's this big fair, so there's um, parties and um, exhibitions in this fair from uh, many countries, many sectors. Um, there's also Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski, who's been visiting. Um, and he also came for something else that was also happening last week, which is um, the Global Forum on Food and Agriculture, which entails a big international agri-ministers' conference called the Berlin Agriculture Ministers' Conference, if I'm not mistaken. So there's delegations from all over the world, agri-ministers agri coming together, um, which was on Saturday. Um, and alongside this conference on Saturday, there was also a big protest in, uh, in central Berlin. And this was organized by an association of or a, a coalition of environmental and social NGOs and also progressive farming organizations who call themselves We Are Fed Up. So a little pun there for you. Uh, luckily for me, it translates from German into English. <laughs> um, so they organized this protest in Berlin on Saturday um, it included a parade of tractors as well. And oh, I love general, a tractor protest. Uh, yeah. Although they That's scaled it down a bit this time to, to save on fuel costs, they said. But um, oh. they still had some tractors you can't go uh, completely without in a farming protest. Oh, interesting. The impact of the energy crisis on tractor protests. Indeed. Extremely neat. Very interesting. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, they all in all, they call for more ambitious steps towards a sustainable and also socially just food and agriculture system. And um, to hear a bit more about what exactly they call for, I spoke to Inka Lange. She's the spokesperson of this NGO coalition who were organizing the protests. So let's hear from her. We are demanding for a socially just um, agriculture and nutrition and good food for everybody. So that means that every person um, should have the possibility to earn, to get uh, good food. Uh, good food means for us, especially regional food and more ecological food. Um, we, are, um, we are seeing in Germany that every day 10 farms are closing and they can't earn enough money, so that has to be stopped. We need the small and medium structured agriculture. So another important issue for Lange that she brought up is something that's also a very current topic at the EU level at the moment, which is the question of renewing the approval of glyphosate, um, which is a plant protection product that's very contentious. And it's um, said to be decided this year whether the approval for it's going to be prolonged or not in the EU. So let's hear a bit more from her on this topic. Socially just agriculture, agriculture means also that um, we have to stop with, with pesticides like glyphosate this year. Um, it's an important moment because the EU will decide about, um, about glyphosate. So yeah, we're saying this has to be stopped. We don't need them. It's dangerous for our agriculture, dangerous for insects. So that's all from us this week. And this week, like every week, the Euractive AgriFood podcast was produced by Euractive's AgriFood team. That's Gerardo Fortuna, Julia Dam, and Natasha Foot, with the technical support of Evie Curie. This podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, such as Amazon, Spotify, Apple, and even Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU. I'm Julia Dam. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Mm-hmm.